Welcome to the CCF Iowa podcast. Hey there, and welcome back to Adulting. This is episode 108, and we're going to be talking about synergy. Now, to give you a frame of reference, adulting is going to last until episode 110. So we are coming in on the home stretch of, of what it means to be an adult. We're kind of wrapping things up, and what you're going to see with episode 108, 109, and 110 is they're, they're taking a lot of things together. They're taking a lot of these things that we've been talking about all semester, and they're, they're kind of forming into one. And so that's that's exactly the essence of what synergy is. Now, synergy, you might have heard this used before, and you might not have. It might be a completely new word for you. I know synergy is a word that a lot of businesses are using together, but they use it in a little bit different of a way than what we're going to use it today. So synergy simply means that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Now, I'm going to take a quick example to explain that a little bit further. So I had a conversation with somebody about a year and a half ago, and this particular person told me that the Lord that the Star Wars was the most overrated franchise of all time, and I completely disagreed with her. I said, "No, it's the Lord of the Rings." Now, if you know anything about me, you know I like movies a lot, so I'm talking specifically just the movies at this point. But uh, the the argument that she made, which is a pretty valid argument, is that there is Star Wars everywhere, even before Disney bought Star Wars. There's been toys everywhere. They never stop making them because they always find new toys to make. There's been uh, TV shows, there's been animated series, there's been movies, there's now live action series, there's been uh, uh, countless books that have been written, there's such a, a hardcore fandom to this base, of which I consider myself a part of, that if you that it is just so overwhelming for uh, uh, this franchise, because this particular person just said, like, the movies are good, there's nothing wrong with them, but it does not necessarily deserve to be this big. That's her, that was her argument, and I... I totally understand that, and I totally agree with that, but I said The Lord of the Rings. Now, here's why. If I try to talk bad at all about any of The Lord of the Rings movies, there will be a rain of thunder and people just bad-mouthing me on Twitter, or what, because that seems to be where people do a lot of their bad-mouthing today. There's going to be so many people, lines of people, just willing, to, wanting to bash me in for saying anything negative about the movies, even if it's just... I don't think Lord of the Rings is the best movie trilogy of all time. I think that The Two Towers and Return of the King are both excellent, maybe even perfect. But The Fellowship of the Ring is kind of too long and kind of incredibly boring. So uh, whenever I say that, people are like, no, no, Fellowship's... Anyway, you know the arguments. You're probably having those with me right now. Or maybe you're pausing to fume and steam for a little bit. Or maybe you've turned it off because at this point you can't trust anything that I say. But that was my argument is that... That's the difference between each of these fan bases, is that Lord of the Rings, if I say anything negative about it, then people are going to get really upset with me, versus Star Wars, I th- I think most fans agree that a lot of Star Wars sucks, like, most most fans have a lot of issues with at least one of the properties, you know, maybe it's a particular movie, or maybe it's a particular couple of movies, or maybe it's the TV shows, or maybe it's, you know, the books that are not particularly like the way that... That those go, you know, especially now that we have the the Disney overtaking of Star Wars, which means anything that wasn't pre- considered canon by the the Disney by Disney's executives is now officially no longer official, and it's it's one of these weird times where now you have people that are fighting like, no, let's, you know, I'm not gonna take into account anything from what Disney's saying. You have people that are saying like, well, too bad, and you have other people that are saying like, why not both, and. It's just this really this really interesting time that we're in, but my argument was that 
again, because I know so many Star Wars fans that are like, look, this is maybe the best movie franchise of all time, but there's three or four of these movies that really suck. And you just don't get that with another fan base. And that's because Star Wars is the perfect example of synergy because Star Wars as a whole, as a universe, when you take in the books and the shows and the movies and everything combined, is greater than each individual movie. If it was just the original Star Wars movie, A New Hope, then... You know, that that would be completely different than what we have today because A New Hope is not a franchise. It's not this universe that's been built. But the the good is so good and the bad is so bad, but we, we focus on the good and we tolerate the bad. And we see Star Wars as a whole is better than each individual part that has been named. So the essence of synergy is to value the differences, to respect them, to build on strengths, and to compensate for weaknesses. So... Uh, we can we can take this ex- same exact sample for Star Wars. So, so you respect even the movies that you don't really like. You 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 see the strength and you build on the strengths in in future installments, and you compensate for weaknesses in areas that, as you move forward, you say, well, this didn't really go so well, so we're gonna just move on from that, or we're gonna try to make it something that we people actually enjoy. And so, it's maybe a bit arbitrary, and maybe you've heard me talk for five minutes about Star Wars, and you're kind of over it, but. It's the, it's the perfect example of what synergy actually means. That the the whole is greater than the sum of the part, and the key is to value differences. Now, when you value these differences, you communicate synergistically, and you're opening your mind and your heart and expressions to new possibilities, new alternatives, and new options. And so, open mindedness has really been the key to most to, to every best relationship that I've ever witnessed or or been a part of. And I'll take a, a, a great example. Uh, recently, I saw somebody post uh, something because, of course, it was Star Wars Day recently. They said uh, that that I will never watch Star Wars movies. It was a girl that posted, like, I, I don't, I'm not interested in watching them, and I don't care how cute this guy is. I'm not watching them. And I thought about making some response, but I chose not to because it's not the right avenue. That if you are not willing to be open-mindedness to to sharing in somebody else's passion, then you can't expect somebody else to share in your passions that they have no interest in. For example, if you don't want to watch Star Wars, sure, you're wrong, but also then don't expect me to watch rom-coms with you, right? Don't expect me to watch the things that I don't care about. Because if you're both going to, if one person is going to be closed-minded, then why should the other person be open-mindedness? And so both people being open-mindedness is the key to the best relationships. And uh, that's that's really the thing that I've discovered the most true about my marriage with my wife is that we have a little bit of give and, t- give and take. Sometimes it's like, hey, I really want to do this. Will you do this with me? And it's like, well, I'm not interested in all in that, but I will do it with you because I like you and because we'll do this and we've done this and I know you don't like that. So it's a little bit of give and take and, and you have to be open-minded. So you have to think synergistically about these people because that produces the best relationships. And it also produces authenticity in people because the more authentic we become, the more genuine we can be in our expressions and particularly particularly regarding experiences and even self-doubts. Now, the more people can relate to your expression, the safer it is to make them feel or to express themselves. See, authenticity is attractive. Authenticity, open-mindedness and synergy produces authenticity. And authenticity is, is people that are authentic are people that people want to be around. 
when you don't have to worry about what somebody is saying behind your back. You don't have to worry about, you know, it's 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 Sunday and this person goes to church and I really like that person, but on Thursday they're out, they're getting drunk and they're really belligerent and mean and you couldn't tell that they're going to go to church on Sunday. You don't want to be around that person. You want to be that person that, you know, the same person that you get Sunday at church or Thursday hit the bars, whatever you're going to get the whole time. And and you can choose to be around that person and not not know what or not and not have to worry about if this person is going to be any different and if this person could be radically different and you want to feel safe around that person. Authenticity is safe and authenticity is attractive. Now, the synergistic position of high trust such as this produces solutions better than originally proposed and all parties seem to know. Now, the way that we can tell if we are actually thinking synergistically is is by is by this is that we produce solutions better than any original proposed and all parties know it when we think synergistically when we think of the end game and it involves all of the things that we've talked about this semester it involves being proactive it involves thinking of the future it involves time management it involves thinking win win it involves emphatic listening it involves all these things that we've talked about this semester because the synergistic position takes into account everything that we've been talking about. It involves taking the initiative. It involves thinking about the end game. And it involves uh, you know, managing and thinking about how we can actually achieve that. It involves thinking win-win so all parties are are excited and all parties are okay with where everything is going. All parties consider it a win. And it involves listening to actually understand what the, what the parties are desiring. And, and when we do that, we form good relationships, we form good, authentic, healthy communities. And, and that is really all that we're, we're working on. So these, these, this habit of synergy is, is for the good of the self and for the good of the community, especially. It's, it's forming good relationships and forming good, good groups together. See, and, and the key to a good group is not actually sameness. See, the, the key to good community is actually oneness. It's not uniformity, but it's unity. See, oneness and un, or sameness and uniformity are everything is exactly alike and everything is is just there's no differences at all. And that just is boring. That's not creative. That's that's just I don't want to be a part of that. But Oneness and unity is the essence of synergy because it's valuing differences. See, if everybody's the exact same, everybody's boring. If everything's the same, everything is boring. But true unity, true sameness values the differences and still works together to make harmony. And even though it may not be quote unquote perfect, it is perfect because it may not be easy and it may not be like walking on sunshine, but people working together for harmony, people that don't take their different, that don't define themselves by their differences, but instead by their sameness, that is to me the definition of perfect. And so what does it mean to value these differences? See, valuing differences is seeing all the people that see the world not at as it is, but as they are. See, every person looks at the world a little bit differently. You and I look at the world a little bit differently. Me and my wife will look at the world differently. You and the closest person you could ever possibly be to looks at the world differently because there are so many different factors that play into how we think. So you think just off the top of my head, I can think of geographical differences. You think differently than anybody in the Middle East. 
and uh, generational differences, of course. You think differently than your grandparents. Economically, people that are poor think differently than people that are rich. Racial differences. Anybody of any different race thinks differently than other ones. It's just a, a part of of the life that, that each of these people have experienced. Gender differences. Men think differently than than women. Than think differently than other. And and also, you talk about family differences. An only child thinks differently than a child of nine children, or a, a child one of nine children, and. Uh, and uh, and somebody that's in a family of three thinks differently than than a family of two because they've grown up with different mindsets. They've grown up with a different past. They've grown up being uniquely different. And we need to value those differences and accept that our differences are the only thing that actually makes us the same because we all have we all are unique in that specific way. And so these are just the start. There's so many different things that factor into how each of us look at the world, but these are kind of the big hitters. There's geographical, generational, economical, racial, gender, and family differences. All of these play into huge, huge elements of our personality. And so a person that's truly effective has the humility and reverence to recognize his own perceptual limitations and to appreciate the rich resources available through the interaction with the hearts and minds of their other human beings. Now, break that all that down into little into little words is that people who synergize effectively understand and recognize differences in each individual person instead of trying to make everybody more like them. They're trying to, to learn and to grow. They're trying to recognize limitations and they're trying to uh, they're trying to grow from that. But just because we recognize limitations doesn't mean that we necessarily have to accept them because we can learn and grow together. And through this process, we never stop trying to achieve unity. We never stop trying to achieve a good, perfect community. People that synergize effectively, they don't talk to reinforce themselves, but they try to learn and understand the different perspectives that are brought into the world. It's really what makes good journalism. Good journalism is when they can bring out those different perspectives, when they can make somebody understand something that they never thought of before. See, the idea of utopia, we, we're familiar with this idea of, of utopia, of, of utopia, of this this perfect community that lives in harmony, and we've we've thought about we've heard fables of several different types of utopias in the past but see the the core focus of utopia is that utopia was never one person's ideal but it was a community's ideal this one person's form of idea of utopia is totally different than somebody else's form of utopia and if i try to enforce my sense of utopia it's a dictatorship and dictatorships just don't work and they don't last but a community's ideal this idea of of utopia brought together by everybody's perspective, everybody's differences that make this community who exactly they are. Now that is a community that really lasts and is the true definition of a utopia. Now, whenever we're faced with these differences, and especially differences from our appearance and, and the way that we are chosen to, to or the, way, the options that we are given to respond to that, we really have five main options. Now, we could choose to attack other people's differences. But that's really fear-based. That's a lot of this like imperialism that we hear about in our history books. Attacking other people's differences is entirely fear-based. Not a good option. We can tolerate, which is we put up with, but don't accept other people's differences. And that is also not this idea of utopia, but it is an option that a lot of people choose to do. We can accept. Now, accepting is great, but accepting means I accept your 
position, but I'm not going to try to change or learn to bring us closer together. It's just like, like you're different and that's it and that's cool. You do you, I'll do me and that's great. And that's not the worst mindset, but it doesn't necessarily capture the essence of synergy. We can value as part of our response. Now, value means I actually am going to value this person and this different their differences and I'm going to begin to see new opportunities. And that one is a really good response because it doesn't put any any specific stakes. It doesn't put any unmet expectations, but it's just, hey, I can see how how we can still come together despite our differences. And the last response we could do is celebrate, which is specifically to seek out different people to learn from, to seek out people that think differently from us and to learn from them specifically for the 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 growth and the experience that we get to have because of going through that process because of seeking out wisdom and and seeking out information and seeking out a a, a sense of utopia to, to to make the world a little bit better of a place if we can if we can come together despite our differences if we can focus on the unity in division as opposed to one person's ideal right See, synergy is all about people working together, and the whole is better than the sum of the parts. Coming together is a beginning. Keeping together is a progress, but working together is success. Synergy is when we achieve all three levels of these things. See, coming together, anybody can do, but keeping together is really hard work, and actually getting people from different backgrounds to work together is an actual success, and that's a great example of, of synergistic thinking, of synergistic practices. Speaking of practices, let's get a little practical. I want you to think of somebody that you know, some sort of, of relationship that you have. Maybe it's a person that you work with. Maybe it's a person that you go to church with. Maybe it's somebody that you're roommates with, but you don't really know terribly well, or you don't necessarily get along with, or you want to just improve that relationship. Just think of any relationship that you have that maybe you don't know somebody that best. It's a budding relationship, right? I want you to, to, to write these down, and I want you to think about this person. Ask them if you have to. Uh, but just to to write these down to think about these things to start thinking synergistically about these 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 built these characteristics of this person. So uh, write down what talents or abilities they have. Are they organized? Are they knowledgeable? Are they assertive? Are they artistic? Are they uh, a recruiter? Are they writer? What's their expression? What So what talents and abilities they have? That's one. Number two, what is their background? What is their education, their race, their gender, their socioeconomic status? Where did they grow up? Uh, all those differences that we talked about at the beginning, geographical generation, ed- ed- economical, racial, gender, and family differences. Get to know some of those things, right? Third thing uh, that I want you to, to understand about this person is their impersonal, interpersonal skills. Are they a listener? Are they a talker? Do they, how do they communicate? Are they, do they like public speaking? Are they a teacher or a mentor, more of a, a learner? Are they a role model or are they uh, somebody that really doesn't have, any, have a lot of that figured out so they would never consider themselves a role model? What, what is their interpersonal skills like? Next thing is character traits. Now, this is a little bit more of the, the things that we really associate with personality. What's their sense of humor like if they have one? Uh, are they a micromanager or are they a delegator? Are they reliable? Are they honest? Are they diligent? Are they opinionated? What are some of the things that really make this person this person? Now that you've taken all of those together and you've, and you've examined 
the characteristics of a person you don't really know super well, I'm sure you find a lot of differences with them because we're all different people. How exactly is this person different for you? And how can these differences contribute to accomplishing a common purpose with yourself, with with the, the community that you have there? How can you take the differences that you have with this other person and instead of looking at it as a complete failure, look at it as something that is um, is something to grow, something to learn from, something to to get together with, something that uh, that can make your community a little bit better. One last exercise for you. I want you to think of three people specifically that you know that absolutely drive you crazy. Now, maybe you don't talk to this person very often. Maybe you live with them, whatever your case may be. Think of three people you know that absolutely drive you crazy. Now, I want you to think about why that person drives you crazy. What are the reasons why that person really grinds your gears? Okay, now that you've done that, you might have gotten a little bit specific. You might have gotten like, well, this person one time did this thing that really hurt me. I want you to take them and make them a little bit more broad. So think about them in terms of like they have character issues or they're, they have competence issues or they're culturally very different from me or personality-wise they're very different from me or they do these pet peeves that bother me. That's why these people drive me crazy. Think of in terms of those categories uh, and, and think of how can you affect the synergy for each situation. Do you have direct control? Do you have indirect control? Or do you have no control? And once you understand each of these elements, each of the aspects, why you differ differ from people and how much control you have over that situation, that is going to help so much in your relationship with that person. And it's going to make your, your household, your community better. If you can understand your relationships, understand your role and how you can affect that relationship. And, and and if we really want to be good, successful adults, then we need to think synergistically and we need to, to think about how can we be united instead of divided and how can we grow together and get the best possible outcome for everybody as opposed to just me. See, adulting, really at its core, is a lot of times about being selfless and sorry if that's heartbreak for you. But the world is full of a lot of different people. And there seems to be so many people that are just trying to tear each other apart. What we want for adulting, what we want for our next generation, is instead of tearing each other apart, what if we just tried to understand each other? What if we tried to build each other up? What if we tried to work for the common good of everybody? That seems like a pretty good goal to achieve. And that's the kind of adults that we want to be. Hey, thanks for spending time with us today. If you have any questions about what you heard or any interest in learning more about CCF in Iowa, then please email us at ccf.uiowa at gmail.com and we would love to get you connected.